Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome once again to the Helping Entrepreneurs Win podcast. This week we are on episode 055, which actually brings us once again to another round of guest interviews for what it takes. The purpose of these guest interviews and the podcast with the insight of other business owners, individuals and entrepreneurs themselves is to share, educate, inspire and help you at home, the listeners, to learn from some of their journey, some of their mistakes, some of their learnings. And this week is definitely no different to that. So to the outside world, it can be perceived that you have it all. The university degree, the successful job, the vision of being your own boss, the flash car, the nice lifestyle, you know it all. But the inner interpretation of life and success itself can be very, very different. I'm delighted, therefore, to introduce you to this week's guest, Mr. Mark Davis, who is about to share an exclusive with the HEW listeners. So you are very, very lucky in this instance to be hearing this insightful story about Mark's life and what it takes, but also not just what it takes, but what it doesn't take. Speaking from the heart and with a whole load of wisdom, I am wholeheartedly confident that you will take loads from this interview as Mark shares his experience from some of his darkest moments of being involved in drugs to some of his more enlightening moments now appreciating the requirements for inner focus and overall well-being before anything else. So without further ado then, let's get cracking. Mark, thank you ever so much for joining me this morning on the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast. Specifically on these series, I talk to individuals and business owners about what it actually takes to be successful. And that in itself is a little bit of a a loaded statement, a loaded question in terms of your own perspectives and then at the same time, what you define as being successful. And you're an interesting character. Marmite. Marmite. Especially my yoga teacher. Most people are Marmite, I'm sure. It doesn't do us all to be, uh, all to everyone. Um, But yeah, I wanted to kind of delve into a little bit about you, your experiences, your learnings, perspectives and everything else that has basically got to where you are today. So just a bit of an intro about yourself and you just go for it and intrigue us, inspire us, educate us and share all of your learnings and what you feel as though what it takes from you as an individual. Okay, well thanks, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. I've always kind of shied away recently from sort of doing podcasts and things and I think that maybe just I wasn't particularly confident in, in where I was and just looking to, to share and inspire in different ways but um, I'm very content at the moment where where I'm at in life. And over the last four and a half years since uh, becoming drug free, I've worked extremely hard on myself and I've forged uh, a life for myself I didn't think ever would be possible. 
and I'm, I'm very grateful, very grateful for where I am in life and, and the people that I work with and work for, my friends and family. And I'm very tough on myself, very tough on myself. But you know what? Out of not being tough on myself or tough on myself, I'd rather have the approach I am because it drives me forward. And I think it's maybe a little bit easier to gain some more perspective and just relax into myself a little bit more and, and be a bit more content with being good enough as I am as opposed to being at the other end with where I've previously been was where I was a total lunatic and lost and having no drive and just effectively given up where I hated myself. You know, I'm 38 years old now. You know, on a very good day, I think I look 35. All right? <laughs> on a bad day, maximum 47. But um, I would say that um, like, like most of us, I had a very up and down childhood. I've got good family around me and I've got really good friends around me that have grown up. But sometimes I think growing up, things happen and they really impact on who you believe you are at a young age. Now I created a, a belief system about myself from a, probably about eight years old that I wasn't good enough as a person. I wasn't good enough as a son. I wasn't good enough as a friend. I, I certainly wasn't good enough to, to attract women. I wasn't good enough on, on many levels as a, as a young, talented footballer. And when I, uh, that kind of shaped who I th thought I was. So when I sort of got into my late teens, I developed behaviours that would reflect my lack of self-worth. So I got involved in drugs at 19 and I eventually quit drugs at 34. And I'm, I've made a lot of bad decisions a lot of bad decisions and when you say this is all about what it takes I, I know what the opposite feels like what it what it doesn't take to be successful and I think that's the first step like knowing what it doesn't take and be completely honest with who you are why you are the way you are and from there you're able to come to know yourself a little bit better and then you're able to work towards what it, it does take which are, you know I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to but you know, my, I did an accounting and finance degree at a uh, university. I managed to... Um, where are we at with swearing? Am I allowed to swear on this you one? You do whatever you want. So I managed to fuck the first year up by really going from hangover to hangover, pizza to pizza. And, you know, it was a competition with myself how much money I could spend and how much, how much weight I could gain and how little university I could go to. And I lied to my mum and dad and because I failed my first year. Managed to lie to them and my mum or dad opened the post and said, you failed. You know, and then I had to crawl back from that. But but I completed it, and and I went into uh, insolvency, so helping individuals and businesses that that struggled with their finances. No matter how much of a dickhead I've been in the past, I've always cared about people. Okay, and when I was in my former life, and I do call it that, that I cared about helping people that were hitting rock bottom financially, and how that managed to manifest in different parts of their life. And I ended up setting my own business up at 26, 27-ish. And it was on the back of my previous business, which effectively closed down. And I, I decided to then set up and take a load of staff with me who were my friends. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm really, really good at what I do. You know, I'm really good at, at helping people. Technically, I'm, I'm, I'm good with pen to paper and hold myself in court and things like that. And then I realized that I didn't have a clue how to run a business. So I just thought, 
okay, it's just going to happen for us. So I started with about eight people, I think, and ended up having the worst few years because I tried to keep everyone in jobs for as long as possible. So I paid them and not myself. I ran up massive debts personally, and I ended up developing. I already had a very poor relationship with drugs, poor relationship with nutrition, a very poor relationship with myself, very poor relationship with women, very poor relationship with my family. But I ended up just that exasperated to the point at 34 years old, I had my last drugs binge and sat in my flat for two, two and a half, three days, decided where to kill myself because I was so sick of who I was and I believed I couldn't change. So every Monday for so many so many years I tried to quit and by you know Thursday Friday you're repeating the same patterns and I created a belief that not only was I not good enough I, I didn't want to go on anymore and then something happened and we've managed to get here now so that's kind of w w where we're at okay there's so much in there where do I start um because I want to visit a few things there in what you've said specifically yeah um First and foremost, just to extract the part when you said you didn't know how to conduct yourself or run a business, is that tied into kind of where you were in headspace fundamentally at that time? Or was it business specific skill set and mindset that you feel, looking back being reflective now, that you were missing at that part in your life? Bit of both, but I would say, I don't, you know, probably a lot of the listeners and you're aware of the, the myth by Michael Gerver that, that I was a very good technician, but, you know, it doesn't make me a business owner. It was just a huge awakening because in my last business, it was by the time with, with the yellow pages, so they had all their adverts, the phone was ringing. I never thought, wow, okay, well, if you set up a business with no marketing budget and you're good at what you do and you've got a few friends in your network, great, that, that'll give you a little bit of work. And I just didn't have any concept of break even really. I, obviously I knew it, but I didn't have the experience of having to make sure everybody got paid, the rent got paid, I got paid. How many inquiries would that lead to, 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 to turn into appointments, to conversions, blah, 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 blah. I never looked at it like that. And I just, I just had a fucking horrible time. Do you know what? Out of that, and I'm really proud of this, I was like, we were on our arse. And I was hitting my limits on credit cards and all sorts. And I just went, do you know what? I am at the best in the country, and I was, at developing, helping people go through personal bankruptcy. Which might say, well, you, you help people go bankrupt, but often it was the best solution for the mess they were in. They didn't lose the houses, they kept the cars, kept the jobs, they could restart. And I had a, I had a model, and I was very, very good at it. And I thought, sod it, I'm going to go to the top insolvency house in the country and I'm going to offer to build them a bankruptcy model. They'll pay me for that, pay me and the staff to that because we're done. And so I went and it was a PLC, so it was all sorts of protocol to go through. They were turning over 35, 40 million a year. I was turning over about £3.50. And I just held myself so over, but I was so passionate that, that they bought into me. And over the course of the next six to nine months, they decided, right, we'll send you leads. We'll send you, and we were getting like 100 leads a month, 150 leads a month, and it saved us. So, you know, it was one of those moments where we were like, yeah, fuck it, we're all, we're, you know, I'm all in now. And uh, it saved us, and we ran for another few years off the back of that. Okay, thank you for sharing all that. So I wasn't a total loser when it came to business acumen, but I 
had to learn a, a hard lesson and because I cared about all the people and they were my friends. Okay, so following on from that, obviously you were a little bit hard on yourself. It was more than buying stamps. But following on from that, where you've just said about your poor skill set, I want to ask you about the wrong decisions that you've taken and some of the some of the darker moments that people don't always like to share. And the reason why I'm asking you this is because, and to share obviously what you feel comfortable with and what could help others and inspire others that you know they can too get themselves out of the shit. Because a lot of people, particularly in business and particularly when it comes to personal growth, personal development, aren't courageous like you are mark in terms of actually holding your hands up to say i fucked that up so i want you to share if you don't mind some of your wronged decisions with people and and how then you have have got yourself out of those predicaments so one of the masks that i wear or one of the roles is as a as a business owner okay regardless what i'm doing now what i've done in the past but my ability to make decisions which ultimately define who I am is based on who I am as a person and who I am as a person is based on everything that's ever happened to me. Things that have happened to me against my control, things that I've totally assumed control of and made, made really, really poor decisions. And I think the if we were to scale it right, right back, then one of the big things and this is this is for both men and women but I can only talk from a point of view of a man because I am a man and I've worked a lot with men and I've listened that we all have insecurities massive insecurities and we fear that it's a massive weakness we try to keep quiet but ultimately these insecurities that we have shape how we look at the world how we respond to things that happen to us and we have decisions all the time, whether we're aware of those decisions or whether we're not. And those decisions drive our outcomes and our behaviours. So if we're totally unaware of why we are the way we are, then we'll be doing things all the time and then we'll regret them afterwards. We'll look out of ourselves and blame everybody else, but we won't understand that they come from places within ourselves that don't feel whole, they don't feel complete. And we kid ourselves that they're there. And I remember asking one of my groups, I said, who here has got insecurities? Group of men. Most put their hands up. I already know by knowing them that all of them got insecurities. Now I said, how many people know what their insecurities are? Less people raise their hand up. Out of those that are married, who has told their wife their insecurities? Maybe 10% of the group. And it was a real big eye-opener to try and get a group of pretty self-aware guys. They do a bit of yoga. They were, they were growing and yeah, really good people from different levels of society. You know, fathers, husbands. Yeah, really, really good people. But I think we've, we've got to the point that... And this is one of the big things that I learned. And I learned it in Cambodia as well. That I had the car. I had the place. I had the clothes. I had the money. I had the really hot partner. I had the degree. All the things that you think are supposed to make you happy. And I was fucking empty and I hated myself. And it was only really thinking that my problems were not outside of me, they were inside of me. 
and it was a bit of an awakening moment. My first trip to Cambodia, I was sat with my tuk-tuk driver and I bought him dinner and he was so happy. He'd taken me past his house that I'm not kidding, it was just a shack and his family were there and he, and he showed me and I just went, why are you so happy? Why are you so fucking smug? You've got nothing and I've got that much more and I'm, I hate myself and I'm so unhappy and it's within it's within it's all within and yoga for me has been a process that allows you to go in see who you are become more comfortable with who you are and able to make better decisions I've had to do a lot of work to get to the point that I know I'm getting triggered and I, I try and look after myself more. And this is the big thing now. I need someone to compliment me that absolutely accentuates my strengths, and there's loads of them, but also know that I do have insecurities, and you've got to care for them. You can't be, and I think that's like a really difficult conversation to have, looking inside and, and, and taking responsibility. And I used to do all the kind of programs around Sheffield, drug recovery programs, and none of them ever worked I walked in with the attitude I've got a drug problem because XYZ has happened to me you know it's their problem walk in come on fix me how do you fix me come on and it was only only when my nephew was born a month before my last coat brunch and my sister effectively turning round and saying if you do not change you can forget having a role in his life and at that time, I'd kind of always wanted kids and knew I was so far away from ever having kids. And this was my first nephew or niece. So a month later, I had an epic binge for my birthday. And then I just sat the next day, not being to bed. And I just was like, <laughs> I was probably four stone heavier than I am now. And I'd bicked my hair. I'd taken my hair off and I'd cut myself shaving. And I looked, I looked an animal. I looked dreadful and I just looked in the mirror and I went, if this is all it's ever going to be, I, I can't be asked. So I spent, I don't know, Googling, Googling, Googling suicide tips. You know, what is the best way? I'm sick of lying. Didn't go into work, didn't go into my own business. And it was just a case of, I don't know how to change. I don't know how to change because if I knew how to change, I wouldn't be here. Nothing seems to be working. Everybody else is following me. I don't know how to change. So I'm done. And then I just managed to get through a couple of nights and I just thought I'm going to get out of the house and I'm going to go for a run. I drove to the park, which is pretty pathetic. I couldn't even walk to it. And then I, and I ran probably 250 yards and I stopped. I absolutely stopped. And then I went back the next day and I'd done 40 days in a row and I was gradually, you know, moving slightly quicker than a massive rock that doesn't move so in my head he's playing like you gotta do it for Archie Archie was my nephew you gotta do it for Archie because and this like brought me to one of my big lessons right and it, maybe this scales back to your first question if we're all looking at trying to evolve whether it's in a business sense personal development whatever relationships it's not easy to know how to do that but the first thing for me is I needed a why to change. Why do I need to change? Why do I want to change? Now, I didn't give a fuck about me. 
like that much was clear. My whole problem was I didn't care enough to look after myself. My why became about somebody else. And when it becomes about somebody else, you find something else. You step your game up a little bit more. So I needed to do it for little Archie because I wanted to be a part of his life. Archie being born saved me. He became my why. Now, I'd only been for a run like 10 days in a row and I could barely even run a bath. But I developed a morning routine and I got back into meditation. I got back into yoga. Morning routine was paramount. But I'd make it about running through the day. So I, I effectively switched my addictions to running. And I got myself six months clean. I'd lost a couple of stone. I was studying nutrition. I got some help from a, one of my best friends about that. And I was in a really, really good place. And then I was sat in the back of a taxi coming back from town. I was texting somebody. I'd not texted for ages, which was weird. And I just heard this voice look up. And as I looked up, I had about two seconds to brace myself. And this car was heading towards us fast. And we went straight head on into it. I just put all my weight through my right foot, right leg and shat my ankle and had some really bad cuts and and things across my face. And, and if I'd not heard that voice look up, which people, some of you listen to my thing, well, you know, whatever. I'm of a belief that something bigger than myself, higher than myself, got me to look up. I braced myself and I remember being in hospital and... I just went the surgeon. I I got my first triathlon, like the next weekend. Like I'd done so much work to get myself fit. That week I ran two half marathons, a ten k and eight k. My five k had come down from thirty eight minutes to twenty one minutes, all in the space of about five and a half months. You know, I was really after it. And he said, "Well, you, I said, when can I run?" And he said, "You might never run again." And I said, "You're joking." He said, "Well, twelve eighteen months, but the way that your your ankle is, you might never get the flexion, and you might never might be too painful." And you know what? I felt so sorry for myself. And I cried and cried and cried that night. And I said, well, when can I do yoga? I've signed up for my yoga teacher training in like four months. I said, well, you might be 12 months till you're doing yoga. Like, your ankle's bad. So I was, I was laying in bed there and, and, and I went, you know what? Fuck that. The same voice, the same voice that got me to look up was the same voice that kind of said, no, there's a reason for this. There's a reason why you're in this place. There's a reason why you got in that taxi. I'm going to come back stronger and fitter. You know, I'm still going to do my own man's and I'm just going to work twice as hard. I got myself fit enough to go running after about four and a half months. And I, I jogged round. I went down to the park room, which was my saviour. And I can't thank Oliver Coppard enough for every week being there with me and, and inspiring me to run with him. Staying in on a Friday and just getting into good habits. I'd, by this point, my wide switched to me. I cared about me enough to, you know, Mark, you're not a bad guy. And you can do anything you want to do. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm caring enough and... And then I, I, I basically did one lap of the, the par and I was hobbling around and it was just in too much pain and I just wasn't enjoying it. I just went, right, I'm done. Running's done, can't run. And I've never run since, you know, if you see me like running for a bus or, you know, running across the road, I, you know, I limp, I limp very badly. And I do miss running, but having a runner's body is, is quite um, contradictory a little bit to a, a really nice yoga body. And I'm really sort of, proud of how yoga has changed my body and you know if you'd seen me a few years ago like to think like the state I'm in now so running was done got fit for my yoga teacher training didn't really know what I was going to do with it because I was still doing small consultancy work in my past life someone said to me what are you going to do and I went I'm going to teach women's yoga to men 
yoga is very much female dominated less so now a little bit it's often seen very feminine discipline for men and and from there i just ended up coming up with moga and moga was my safety blanket because everything about me and those that know me and, I, and i'm happy to put this on record my default position of thinking about myself is that i'm not good enough people don't think that that's true because they they see quite a confident guy and you know and i'm able to open my mouth and talk about myself and that's fine i work so hard to be as good as i can and i'm so so hard on myself but oliver ollie copper once said to me after a moga session he goes what's the problem with moga i went mate that session was shit like jason crandall have you seen his stuff online and and he said the problem is not the class everybody loved the class the problem is kind of your energy you can see you're so tough on yourself and he taught me something that I cannot take the credit for and hope your listeners get something from it he said stop comparing yourself against where you want to be I want to be a world-class yoga teacher drive it every day forward to be one right but I've been teaching for six months how the fuck could I be a world-class yoga teacher he said, compare yourself against where you were or your best. Six months, a year ago, what have you, I was thinking of suicide. I was a mess. Wasn't a yoga teacher. My best, to be fair, probably that night was my best. Couldn't have given any more. And there I am, moaning and battering myself, and, and it shifted my perspective. And he also said, get out of your comfort zone. I try to get out of myself, my comfort zone as much as possible right and it scares the shit out of me all the time and i know i have to feel the fear which simon sinek talks about fear and excitement being kind of the same things he tricks himself into thinking that the fear of doing some actually same kind of sort of symptoms sweaty palms heart rate up a little bit nervous nervous in the stomach blah 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 butterflies same thing as when you're exciting so so yeah i, I try and embrace getting outside outside my comfort zone have a why because if you don't have a why and you just want to do something then you often know what you want to do you sometimes know how to do it, but you don't really know why you're doing it so when the inspiration wears off and like two weeks later you're like go back into default thinking or you're breaking your new year's resolution habits or whatever it is and you fail in inverted commas you quit that why inspires you from within drives you on you know inspiration versus motivation motivation i think is quite an external force then that starts to wear off if you don't know what your why is or why you want to be better in any way then do it for somebody else until you really care enough about what it is about you okay fabulous so you have shared kind of your your driving force explained about the importance of a why talked about your motivating factors and the inspiration external um, influences as well what is interesting to me and which is what i would always say is the first port of call when i'm working with individuals is the acceptance the acknowledgement and the acceptance that they're not quite where they should be yeah where they want to be where their potential allows them to be and that's profound in your story mark over your acceptance whether or not you know you say that it's been through the influence of your nephew yeah. 
or other other external forces, but then it turned inwardly to you. Yeah. You still accepted that enough's enough. You've got more to give for whatever reason that was. Mm. And interestingly enough, which is why I've been following your journey, is the fact that you always put so much emphasis on the inner focus and the inward work that people need to do, yeah. and yourself, admittedly. You yeah. know, you still do that every single day. Yeah. Which, granted, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the same. <laughs> Everybody needs to still be working on themselves every day. I don't care who you are, yeah. what job, what profession, what status you have. If you don't do that, then you're regressing and you, you're kind of holding yourself at a plateau because it's the same as a muscle, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not developing that muscle every day, it, it, it's going to fatigue. It's going gonna, it's gonna to diminish. Your mind and your personal growth and development is exactly the same. And... You have, have spoken a lot about your daily routines, your discipline of going running even though you didn't want to. You know, starting off small and growing that and, you know, developing that into the realisation of, actually, I can make something here. Yeah. I am worth more, I'm capable of more, yeah. and I can find myself on the right track. So with HEW, I have the, the philosophy of hashtag you first. This is exactly the same for you and what you inspire with all the guys and girls now, but predominantly men, who you work with in terms of their realisation that they have to accept that they are essentially the most important factor at any one time. Yeah. Is that right? Would you agree with that? 100%, 100% like Moga, an acronym for Moga, and I don't really put it out there, everyone thinks it's men's yoga, but it's actually men of greater awareness. Awareness is the ability to make better decisions. It's, it, it comes on the back of knowing yourself and it's it's an outcome of doing yoga or meditation. You kind of go inwards. I started working at the hot yoga studio and I'd managed to massage my yoga career to the point that I was in my comfort zone teaching smaller groups. People I know stayed away from getting involved with studio work where I'd be with people I didn't know, beginners and advanced in the same class, it scared the hell out of me. But I walked in and something just switched on. And I, I taught a great class and I, I was just so far out of my comfort zone. I, I know what I need. I need people. I need purpose. And I surround myself with purpose and I surround myself with people. If you look after yourself first and give you what you need, you can then give more to others. And that's what effectively what I want any man and or female to know that going first is self-care and going first is not selfish. And if you can do the things that fill you up and make you feel better, you can give so much more. Because I see so many guys that go last, work, family, kids, friends, and then when they need to do a little bit of something to lift them they've got nothing left in the tank that eventually crashes you can't give from an empty well so i'm very very grateful and i publicly thank every partner or wife that uh, that, that not say gives permission but that certainly agrees with the men coming to moga because i need them on board because they get so much from it that when they go I genuinely believe they are better men, which are better husbands, fathers, more patient, kinder, more aware of themselves, better bosses, better staff, kinder strangers. So it's not about like 
getting your hamstrings long and getting a six pack all that shit don't really matter to be fair there's a level of like self-worth from the aesthetic that's trust me i know that but they they walk away and, and it fills them up for a bit and that is what i'm proud of i'm proud of like i've had to go through some things that i've got terribly wrong to learn what it does take and i never sit there preaching about you've got to do this you've got to be a vegan on a monday you can eat sausages on a tuesday it doesn't matter like there is a i think there is a, a model to be had a pathway for people to go down where they get full autonomy to do what's right for them but it's just a little bit of guidance I teach yoga first and foremost because it gives me confidence in myself I've never ever had and it gives me fulfillment in life I never thought possible and from that base I can be a good person and I can give so much to everybody else that for me is the power isn't it of what you've just said for any guy that is coming to MOGA to be able to fill themselves up and focus on themselves inwardly and put themselves as their priority. Not saying that their wife, their children, their business, their hobbies, their responsibilities, everything else yeah. comes further down their list at all. But it's absolutely giving themselves that permission to have their own time, their time out so that they can apply themselves more effectively into all of those areas of lives and businesses that we need to be firing on all cylinders for. And if you are achieving that yourself through teaching and through growing your business, but then being the best version of you to be able to help others and share that message, then you're going the right way about it. Not everybody has to go through all of the trials and tribulations that you've had in life. I actually believe, like, you know, when you talk about protecting your purpose, I actually believe that certain people are meant to go through things like that in life yeah. to then evolve in how you want to evolve. And you've kind of been that chosen one, if you like, to do that, to be the one to actually go forward and represent everything that you stand for mm. and how then you can help other people. So just to just to kind of recap on that, for business owners, entrepreneurs, busy, successful corporates, what would you advise for them? Even if it's specifically men, that's fine. But what would you advise for them daily, weekly, monthly, for them to consider to protect themselves and their own well-being? The analogy kind of that sometimes I use is, you know, like with the old Nokia phones, 10 bars of battery. When you wake up in the morning, knowing that until you go to sleep you can't charge your phone in inverted commas you are your phone in this analogy if you put five bars into work three bars into your family one bar into social media because it's an addiction for the most of us always picking up the phone one bar into something else friends where are the bars for you now it's okay saying well i get purpose i get my bars from my work and family and all these things but you have to recharge yourself you have to be able to be a phone that works right because you ain't going to charge until you go to bed so i was at the professional footballers association um, mental health conference last year and the, the ex england and arsenal physio stood up and said right we're trying to combat mental health and well-being but the problem is with well-being there's no fixed definition there's no definition of well-being which i thought was a bit strange it's such a buzzword it's so popular 
I'd written a big report to my Mansfield manager last year, and it was it was how well being influences performance in football. You look after the man behind the player, and the player will do better. In simple terms, and I define well being as the present state of your physical, mental, and emotional health. So at any one time, your body, your mind, i.e., your thoughts, and how you feel, your emotions, all those at one time is your well-being so from my own journey there are five things that really impact well-being which is your physical mental emotional health right how well are you as a human being well-being okay i think we'd all agree that we've all got a body we've all got a mind we can't see it, but we listen to what goes on in there far far too much and we'll we, we know we feel we feel stuff so on that basis from my own journey nutrition mindset movement relationships purpose and i call these the five pillars of change if you can get these into alignment they will lift your physical mental and emotional health so i kind of bring this as a model to people to not to say this is what you must eat this is what you must say this is the, the kind, of, kind of relationships they in their own mind know themselves to go well i didn't know what i ate impacting on how I feel, how I sleep, my body fat, I thought it was just exercise and to, to lose weight, all these different things. So this is the model, this is like a, a model that I'm writing about. It starts off at the bottom, why do you want to change, why do you need to change? If we're in a default way of thinking and doing all the time, getting up, doing everything always the same way, then the way that you approach these five things, mindset, movement, nutrition, relationships, purpose, are, are always going to be the same. Right, because you've got to be always going with the same default thinking behind your actions and behaviors. So, how do you actually change? And for me, this is all I know. If I'm going to change all these kind of things because I'm changing myself, then I need the ability to make better decisions in the moment. And yoga and meditation was the gateway for me to be able to develop self awareness, which is like a muscle that you train at the gym. And self-awareness, my teacher says, is the ability to make better decisions. And if you are going to make decisions all day long about what you eat, what you think about, your relationships, your purpose, your exercise through your movement, then you need to be able to make better decisions. And how do you do that? So for me, it was yoga and meditation to build self-awareness. And it brings me like to my last bit of the model right at the top. What's the outcome of well-being? What is your ultimate goal for life? People say it's happiness. And, you know, that's personal to them. I don't know what the fuck happiness is. I think it's a hell of a skill to create happiness. I think it's got to be learned. I don't think it comes naturally to anybody. But there's, for me, it's happiness versus fulfillment. And I love having fulfillment in what I do. But I'll be honest with you, I'm really happy. Because I live for growth, I work hard every day, my days are stupid now, I'm up at half five, five o'clock, going to bed, midnight-ish, getting at home late, and I'm working, whether I'm teaching, preparing, doing marketing, writing, every day, six and a half days a week, right? And that's no exaggeration, that is what it is now, because I'm too much in my purpose, but I, I need it because I've felt the opposite, but fulfillment for me is what I get, and growth is so difficult and it's uneasy and it requires coming out of your comfort zone. Nobody feels happy when they're doing things they're scared of. It's the total opposite. 
maybe it can come down the line a little bit, but that like feeling you get afterwards. Just to wrap up then, would you say that it's feasible for anyone to change and anyone to have levels of internal and external personal growth? Yeah, 100%. Someone once said people don't change and I believe that circumstances do, they said. We're changing all the time for better or worse. I was changing all the time, but getting worse. So the problem is, how do you change? You've got to change that default way every day of doing what you've always done to get this, you know, getting different results. I understand, you know, said that famous quote, we've all know about it. So how do you change? That's the big thing. What do you change? That's another big thing. Anybody's capable of doing it. You just need a why that drives you within because you know what? You're going to fuck up. You're going to fail, but that's where you learn and grow. And, you know, everybody says that as well, but it is true. It is true. There's nothing wrong with wanting to grow and evolve. Nothing wrong. It feels great. Why wouldn't you want to do it? And when you make a life of service, helping others be better, there is that's almost selfish, helping others, because it feels so good you want to do it over and over again. Right? So getting the balance right between right now saying, I'm enough the way that I am, but I'm going to grow and I'm going to graft, is a difficult one. Because wanting to grow always because it comes from a point of lacking. I'm not enough, I need to get better. You're always gonna end up creating more lack. Till you go within and fill the holes that majority of us people have, whether they know or they don't have, become more comfortable and know yourself. Accept your insecurities and try and be honest and open and vulnerable with the people that you trust. To communicate with partners that if you're having a bad day, it's not them that's pissing you off. It's you. Because everybody takes everything so personally. Not enough likes on social media take it personally. I was thinking about this on the way over. Like, Would I rather 10 million people hear this podcast or five? If I was to do this podcast and 10 million people hear it and none of it resonates with any of them, my ego feels great because then people know about me. So my ego is good. But... If five people listen to it and one person takes something from it and that managed to somehow start something within themselves and they impact on five people and make them feel better and that impacts on five more people from there because everybody's feeling better in that chain. The Cecilian prophecy told me that. That I'm doing more good by reaching one person and know that you have enough. If you believe in law of attraction, then you vibrate from abundance more things seem to happen, more opportunities to reach more people. But knowing when you're doing things from lack, I need more work because, I need more work because I don't have enough money is different than I need more work because I fucking love it. And money can, is an outcome of it. It's a different energy, totally different energy. And that's I, going on to the oh, third yeah. level then of HEW, which is the wealth element of it and all of the integration. And we can go on and on and on and on. So Mark, you will have to join me for another episode in the future. Okay, I'd like to just say thank you for all the work that you do in this city as well, because I'm passionate about it. And you're out there, you're making a difference and you're getting people to go inwards. And it's, it's not about balance sheets and cash flows. If you're an absolute mess, don't feel good about yourself. The chances are you, you your balance sheets and cash flows they are going to be the best they're going to be, are they? So, Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
and as all of you beautiful listeners out there can tell this is why I've tracked Mark down to come and join me on the show because he is certainly aligned with um, a lot of my values and belief system that personal development is for everyone. It's not a sign of weakness. We can all grow and evolve from utilising it and learning from ourselves and looking within ourselves every single day. And if you can transfer that then into your lives and your businesses and your families and your relationships and everything else, then why wouldn't you, as Mark has said and has shared with you, how important and pivotal that has been for his life and where he is actually today and he will go on I am sure to be the world's greatest yoga teacher I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna wrap that up so thank you so much for joining us thank you very much thanks for having me thank you for listening to the HEW podcast for continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.